It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I'm Stephen O'Rourke, and with me today is our frequent guest, best friend of the podcast, Chris Wecht, filling in for Brett today because Brett is a little bit under the weather. Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, I could be better. My, my Eagles could look like a playoff team again, but you know we're, we're pushing through. It's almost Christmas. It's trying to stay in a good mood here. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the ebbs and flows of the season, but with the Eagles right now, it feels like we're hitting a concerning point heading into the final stretch of the season and into the beginning of the playoffs. And I think that's, you know, you and I discussed, that's what we kind of wanted to touch on or to begin the show is just with the Eagles is, I mean, I think we're at the point where it's, it is concerning. This is stuff that is going to affect them come playoff time. And it's a trend that we've seen throughout the season of, of things that are going to kind of hold them back. Yeah, it's – I don't even know that it's uh, – it's weird because it is concerning, but at the same time not. Like I still think they're a top five team in the NFL. They've, they've yeah. certainly got the roster to be. It's just they just can't seem to put it together. This shouldn't be like a total surprise either, losing both coordinators regardless of what you think of. I think Shane Steichen has proven that he was definitely valuable to the Eagles, and I know yeah. a lot of people aren't – super in love with Gannon, but still losing two two both coordinators in the same season is not easy, no matter what team you have and what players you have on your roster. Um, you're basically going to spend the first half of the season just figuring out the letting those new coordinators get their feet underwater and finding out if they have any idea what they're doing. And I think uh, we saw Patricia, that weird announcement where they kind of tried to hide it by announcing it Sunday morning and Desai, yeah. Sean Desai was not fired but or whatever. Very weird situation. Not a good look, really, in my opinion, for a, team, uh, a, a contending team at all to try to like, oh, we're making a change, but not really. I'd rather them be more decisive. Like if you if you want to move on from Desai, just do it and and hire Nick. I don't think he should have been moved on from it. I think it's he's doing, he's, you know, they're doing the best they can. It hasn't been great. Um, the offense is definitely the more concerning thing to me of the, of the two sides of the ball. Yeah. And with the defense, I, you've kind of just hit uh, a point where a lot of it isn't necessarily the defensive coordinator's fault. You've had James Bradbury go from last year being a great complimentary corner to Darius Slade to this year where he's been, definitively up and down and not looking like the same player that he was last year. Darius lays out with an injury. Now the slot corner has been a rotating cast of trying to find anyone that can stop anyone. And then, you know, they brought in Bayard, but even that bet the, the back end safeties look to be, you know, struggling a bit, just the entire secondary as a whole has kind of taken a step back. And I think a big part of that is that, the sack numbers aren't where they were last year. Now, obviously they had insane sack production, but you're really seeing that now these guys are having to cover a little bit longer, a little bit more, and the holes are showing in the back end. And 
especially on Sunday. And I, I wonder if this is, you kind of hope it's not a Patricia thing and that this is what he's bring, bringing, but man, I watching that pass rush on Sunday, I thought was one of the, one of the more concerning things going forward for this defense of, I think they trust too, like almost too much in the guys that they have up front to the point where they weren't, they, they didn't stunt hardly at all. I don't think they sent a single, I don't think they sent a single blitz on Sunday. It was just a lot of just straight up four man rushes that weren't getting home at all. And yeah, that it, it just makes you wonder is this one, is it a Patricia thing? Cause I feel like it, I haven't seen the Eagles not stunt like that all year. And if it is, that puts even more stress on a secondary of we know what Patricia likes to run and we saw it rear its ugly head at the end of the game. And hopefully you have to hope that's not going to become a trend here going into the final, going into the playoffs in the end of the season. Yeah. You definitely see a lot less stunting in particular this year. Last year, they definitely tried to feature Hassan Reddick and, and basically create mismatches for him through stunts and whatnot and basically get him. And he had, he was near the top of the sack leaders last year. I forget the exact number. Yeah, uh, he had like 17, that. I think. Yeah. So that may, this year it seems like they added Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis gets better, Josh Sweat gets better, and they kind of have gone away from, all right, we're going to stop featuring Hassan Reddick and just let our guys win. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it clearly looks like it's not the right decision right now, but they definitely all also were running super hot last year with the sack numbers. That was yeah. never going yeah. to happen. Um, they definitely are just, yeah, the, the resources they've invested in the defensive line are not paying off right now, really at all. Um, the, the, then the secondary, uh, Bradbury has been up and down. It's hard to tell really how bad or good he is because teams are just picking them apart in the middle of the field so much. Yeah. The, the, I mean, they, they've undervalued linebacker, which we always know they're going to do. They're not going to invest heavily in that safety. They also did, but kind of tried to fix it with trading for Bayard. And that hasn't really been working out either. I will say in the first game with Patricia, I know it was Drew Locke. Up until that final drive, I don't think you could be disappointed in what they in the in the outcome that they that they had on defense. They, you know, what were they at 13 points they held the team to? That's yeah. you're gonna win a lot of games if you hold the defense or the offense to 13 points. It did seem like he was being a little more aggressive, sending blitzes at different times and whatnot. Still not getting home enough, but was holding the Seahawks to to a low point total. We'll have to see if that's, you know, it's we get uh, Giants twice and the Cardinals. It's going to be hard to really tell right. if, if it's getting better or if it's just the opponents they're facing. Um, that's why I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. The uh, people are, it is a brutal stretch run they've had now playing the Bill, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, and Cowboys all in a row with multiple of those teams coming off buys and then facing yeah. the Eagles. That's a tough stretch. And, I think I think we're just seeing the Eagles kind of like they, you know, they've just fought a bunch of battles. They won some, they lost some, and they're just like, we just need we just need to reset. And they're in the NFL season, you don't really get that once your bias passed. And hopefully playing some weaker teams now kind of gives them that chance and then they can can kind of put it together again heading into the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it from a, you know, take a step back and look at it each team that you would consider a contender this year has had a stretch like this. It's just that 
you know, yeah. unfor- unfortunately for the talking points and unfortunately for Eagles fans, it's coming at a time when you'd like to see the team rounding into a form of, you know, finding their groove, hitting a, hitting the point where you can say they're a more complete team. But, you know, they like you said, they're r- running through a stretch of playing four contenders in a row. And, you know, obviously you you, would, you probably would have liked to have say you came away two and two, but you came away one and three in the games. And you just have the biggest thing is just hoping that this off like the offense. And I think we've talked about it ad nauseum this year, but hoping that that offense can find a way to be more rhythmic than they've been. It's been a lot of disjointed, just, just, you know, seemingly not stringing things together, not stringing ideas together, not, you know, having plays complement each other. It feels like a lot of one-off one-off plays that are either, short gains or quick passes to AJ Brown and then throwing it deep. Yeah. And they I, haven't, I, they haven't figured out the, what to do when the D the, the deep ball is not there and particular yeah. to AJ Brown. It seems like opposing defense is just, all right, we're going to do whatever we can to just not let AJ Brown kill us. And sometimes he does anyway, but a lot of times he doesn't cause it's hard to do that when you're getting that much attention and they just haven't figured out how to do that. they, they definitely need – I mean, Dallas Goddard was a legit weapon up until every season – you know, every season he's been in the league, really, and Ertz has been gone um, up until this year. I know he's missed some time to injury. But just, yeah, they, like you said, they just need to find a way to get in rhythm, stay on – stay on, yeah, stay in rhythm, you know, get five yards here, get six yards here, get 15 yards, and then get five again, and then and just kind of – they're they're definitely keeping their run pass splits at a good mix. Like, I don't think running the ball more is the answer. I think they're running right. the ball a lot as it is. They're not a super pass-heavy team. Um, and it's definitely at times there, it's not like they're – Swift is a very much a – you know, he's he, he rarely is in that f- I'm going to get four yards. It's either like I'm going to get two yards or I'm going to get eight yards or I'm going to get one yard or I'm going to get uh, ten yards. Yeah, and you can and you can see that he's the guy that has good vision, can take advantage of the you know the holes that are there. He's gonna fight. He's gonna find the open space and get there. He's not gonna fight for a lot of extra yards. You saw that a couple times on uh, Monday, or su- was it Sunday night? Sorry, Sunday. Monday I forget night, what, yeah. what. Yeah, Monday night. You saw it on Monday night. There were a couple runs where I think there was one down at the goal line that. Um, I think ended up turning into a drive where they didn't score that he falls short of the first down uh, marker. And, you know, it's just, that's who he is and that's fine. And it were it, it's going to work because you have Gainwell as a guy who's going to kind of stick his nose in a little bit more, but I don't, yeah, I don't think running the ball. I think it's just finding consistency in the passing game that where there's just more intermediate routes that come open across the middle and just different, different scheme things that can get Devonta Smith and AJ Brown open that isn't just relying on them to, you know, beat a guy one-on-one outside. Yeah. So yeah. To wrap it up, if you're an Eagles fan listening to this and I, coming from an Eagles fan, I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm not, I was, you know, I was sick to my stomach seeing that Drew Locke put, do the backpack uh, kid thing walking <laughs> off the field, just like you. But I mean, we just, this is not, we're not firing Nick Sirianni. He's got a ridiculous record or win loss record since he's been yeah. a head coach. I am definitely questioning his ability to 
do more through coaching than he has through talent and, you know, do the Shanahan things. If we're got, he's just scheming guys open. It doesn't even matter who it is. I think we're going to have to find that out and see if he can do that. Brian Johnson is also a big part of that and his play calling and when to call certain shots. Like we don't need the Quez Watkins deep shot when we're trying to close out the game. <laughs> not the time. It's just not the time for that. Um, so and hurt and hurts needs to play better too. He he definitely seems like he's not seeing the field like he used to or yeah. at least last year. So yes, things don't look great, but this is not we're not moving on from anybody in the team right now. It's all no. it's all, like you said earlier. It feels like every contending team has gone through a stretch where it feels like the sky is falling. Yeah, and so then that pivots us to what is the the division race for them and. The Cowboys also taking another concerning loss. Concerning might be the right head scratching, or I don't even know if it's just kind of status quo for them at this point. They lost the Bills 31 to 10 at, in Buffalo. And I think that seems to be the biggest point is that when this team gets away from uh, Dallas, they look like a completely different team, both on offense and on defense. I mean that like Josh Allen had what finished with ninety six passing yards. They did, he didn't have to do anything, and the the Cowboys got ran all over. And I I don't know if it's being out in the elements or what or what it is, but the offense hit a snag, and the defense was I mean they they got absolutely gashed on the ground, and that leads to now they have. You know, they're tied with the Eagles atop the uh, NFC East. And they had, while well, the, the Eagles are staring down a schedule that, like you said, was the Giants twice and the Cardinals, the Cowboys finished with the Dolphins, the Lions, and then they, the, they end the season with the Commanders. And so, does, would it change your perception of their ability in the playoffs if they don't win the division and don't get any home field advantage? So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sound sound un, as unbiased as possible here, <laughs> but it's not it's not just the home road splits that's definitely part of it. It's the contender versus not contender teams they face. The only the only team they've beaten with a winning record over 500 record right now is the Eagles, and they they split with the Eagles. That's it's really hard to beat a division rival tw- twice in a year. It, yeah, like literally, you you could do any of the match the. The Bears and the Lions. The Bears seem to like always win one against the Lions yeah, every year. Yep. The, the 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 Raiders play the Chiefs hard like every year. One of the games, like it's yep. it it is really hard to win two games versus a division opponent year to year. You need you need to be a really good team and a and a really bad team for that to like be a normal thing that happens. Yeah, so yeah. They they really just they don't. I don't know what it is. They just so. What do you think? Or Dax passer rating? when they are underdogs heading into the game. So it's not even like they've, they got down and now that is fitting into the game. It's only been three games because they're a good team. They're not going to be um, underdogs very often, but he's at a 78 passer rating in those three games. That's lower than uh, Bailey Zappi. Uh, that is lower than Gardner Minshew, Minshew when he's an underdog. It's lower than Joshua Dobbs when he's an underdog. Like these are not got like, it does seem like that Dak just doesn't rise to the occasion in a lot of these big matchups. And it's kind of, it's kind of been the story of his playoffs in the past, the Niners yep. losing to the Niners, losing to Aaron Rodgers. It just seems like they, they, whatever they're doing, the, the good teams uh, know how to beat it. And the, you're the running game thing, I think is super interesting that you point out because 
you know, we chart a ton of games and every time I'm charting the Cowboys game and we always record stuff like box counts and how many DBs on the field, they've been playing Marquise Brent Bell, who's, who's a safety basically as a linebacker. Yep. But, and, and I know they added Mozzie Smith, but he's a rookie. They're like teams are, I, I don't know why it's taken teams so long to figure this out, but the bills clearly did. You can just, you just put bigger bodies on the field and you can run on the Cowboys. They don't, they're not, their defense does not, they'll play with six, seven DBs regularly. Yeah. And it, it seems like it's going to start hurting them in the running game big time. I mean, it's like, if you look at, especially in the NFC, the teams that they're going to play, that would be contenders, the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Lions. Those are your top <laughs> three seeds. Those All teams are... that can run the ball well. <laughs> exactly. And Dallas, they, like you said, they go six, they go six man boxes a lot. And when they do yep. go seven man box, that's usually that they're walking J Ron curse down yep. into the box. And that's their seventh man, which is another safety. And this is, it's an, it's an interesting look at constructing a defense because clearly when you watch them play, they're built to stop the pass. They're built to get after the, the, the quarterback. They're built to defend on the back end, that secondary. It's all, it's all built to be fast and shutting down the pass but we've gotten now to where i think you're like you're seeing if you even look at the, the touchdown numbers for quarterbacks touchdown numbers are down as a whole defenses are starting to kind of catch up to offenses in a way this year and that also has led to what feels like a little bit of resurgence in the run game and even and just introducing more complex running concepts and that it you saw it against Buffalo, and I think it's going to rear its ugly head for this uh, Dallas defense. Of teams are going to say, if you're, yeah, you can, you're going to create the chaos and create the turnovers against us if we try and drop back 40 times. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to run 12, 12, 13 personnel, and we're just going to try to run it down your throats and do it until you can stop us. And I don't know if they, I don't know if they have a fix to stop that because I don't think they have the personnel to stop that. Nope. Yeah, they definitely don't. And they, I think it, I think the reason that they get in so many of these blowouts is for that reason. And when when the offense is not clicking and opposing offenses can then just say, all right, we're just going to run it down your throat because you can't stop. We know you can't stop us. They their defense is heavily heavily reliant on their offense putting up points. It seems like. Yes. So w when the offense doesn't, it, things just quickly go off the rails and then they get down by double digit scores or two possessions. Then it gets really hard for their defense to make stops, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They just uh, the, the offense looks disjointed at times. And like you said, the defense, thr they thrive on creating chaos and getting you into a game script where you now do have to drop back and they can the pass rushers can pin their ears back and really get after the quarterback and create some turnovers. And it's, it also is interesting that like Mozzie Smith is playing 30 pounds lighter than what he was listed at listed as coming in the draft, which I think is just an interesting, somewhat notable point for a guy that, you know, was supposed to plug up the middle. They've uh, Jonathan Hankins has been, has missed time, which I think has affected their ability to stop the interior rush. It just, I don't know the Cowboys. They're almost like the, mirror image of Miami on the NFC side where everything, when everything's going well, it looks amazing and the offense looks in rhythm and the defense looks to be, you know, causing ha wreaking havoc on offenses. But then 
when they get against a good team that can kind of go toe to toe with their offense, everything kind of falls apart. It's like one little speck of dirt gets in the the gears, and all of a sudden things start backing up a little bit. What do you think the 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 offense issue? Because watching the game, I didn't nothing in particular stood out to me from Buff that Buffalo was doing to stop Dallas's offense. It just seemed like they had a bad game. And but the thing is, like I said earlier, we've just seen this now multiple times against the Niners. Um, uh, who else did they lose to? Uh, the Eagles the first time. Um, it does seem like something. I don't know what it is that t- what teams are doing when they take it. It just seems like they have bad games here and there. Yeah, the offensive line seems to go cold at times where, you know, they I mean, they did lose Zach Martin in this game, which that's a massive loss for their offensive line in a game to lose someone of that pedigree. But yeah, see, the pressure gets to Dak. That seems to be an issue when they start losing games. The run game starts to disappear and and that seems to lead to issues of. Their receivers are good against bad teams, but if you can kind of match up with them and take away CD Lamb, it takes away Dak's easy button. If you can minimize CD Lamb's impact on the game and kind of close down the middle of that field, which I think that's what Buffalo did, is they tried to really squeeze the middle of the field and force Dak to go outside, which forces him to go to Cooks and Gallup, which you know they're fine but they're more complementary pieces they're not they're not guys that you want to that you you're looking to feature in an offensive game and i think that that's kind of what i think that's what buffalo tried to do is they tried to use you know Hyde and Poyer and those the speed that they have at linebackers and they really tried to stress squeezing the middle of the field preventing cd lamb from you know hitting those over routes hitting the deep uh in routes and things like that that seemed to open up the offense a lot and once they shut those down, it really kind of put Dak in somewhat of a spin zone of not being able to find that second option easily. Yeah. What do you, of these two teams, the Bills and the Cowboys, they're both probably wild card teams. Which one would you feel better about actually getting to the Super Bowl if you had to pick right now? It's funny because that was my preseason Super Bowl pick for uh, the matchup. But right now, <laughs> right now, it would be the Bills. I I, I feel way better about the bills than I do the Cowboys just because you're seeing Josh Allen bring the turnover numbers down. And I think their defense is starting to figure it out. Von Miller, I think is finally getting healthy, which is changing the complexion of their pass rush. And they're the linebackers are starting to kind of figure out their own rhythm and who they are. Cause it was a young group that lost a couple guys. And now these, like, I think they're finally hitting their speed and, but mainly it's just mainly it's the offense for the Bills. I think that they have found their identity with Brady and and they had it before even then. But I think more so trying to feature James Cook a little bit more has helped them a lot and opened up their offense a lot. Cuz they've done this all with Diggs being not that much of a factor the last couple of weeks and that's still okay. just like waiting there for them if they need it. Yeah, Diggs has had a really quiet year for by his standards anyway. Um, it does seem like they have found an answer with their running game and Josh Allen as like dual threat option. Very similar to kind of uh, like the Eagles last year, I would say, instead yeah. of being so pass happy and just throwing all the time. Uh, it does seem yeah. like they are finding their groove. I 
even if you think Dallas is the better team still, I would, the, the, the problem is that I just, the AFC seems way more winnable than the NFC right now, especially yeah. with the types of opponents that you said, like you said, Dallas is going to have to fade. They just don't match up well over multiple games. Maybe they could win, you know, yeah, they win some of those games out of 10 times, but they have to do it. They're going to have to do it. They're going to have to win a game against the, uh, the NFC South winner, which yep. they certainly should do. But then they're going to have to go on the road two more times against two good teams, regardless yeah. of it's Lions, Eagles, um, Niners. Yeah. That's that's going to be tough for them to pull off, I I think. And then the Bills, they're going to, again, play – I guess we don't know who they would play first yet. Uh, there is not like an NFC South, right? I, mean, I It would probably end up being the winner of the AFC South. Seemingly, yeah, probably, yeah, because the Jaguars are dropping a little. They, yeah, they're the Colts are, yeah, get really catching up to the Jaguars. All, all three teams, all three teams in the AFC, or three teams the in Texans, the AFC South yeah. are sitting at are sitting at eight and six. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I think I feel more confident in the Bills right now, and I think it's, you know, unfortunately, um, Dorsey had to be the martyr for this team. I think, but I think that most of this is just that Josh Allen is protecting the ball the last couple of games. Yeah, it'll be hard for us to know how much of that was like was Dorsey just not emphasizing that with him, or was like right. we'll probably we'll probably that's probably what they'll say, but we'll never actually know. Uh, it could just be they were still playing well, other than the turnovers early in the season. It's just it's just really gone their way recently now. Yeah, yeah. And then for the uh, um, Brett graciously offered us his. Um, MVP rankings for where for the right now in the season. I think that's where we want to pivot for this. Uh, the rest of this episode is just talking about his MVP candidates, what we think of it, breaking it down. And I think that, you know, it, it piggybacks off of a little bit off of what we just talked about with the Cowboys of he has Dak at number three right now. He has uh Purdy at number one, right? No, Purdy. No, Purdy five. Oh, Purdy. Yeah. So it goes Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Tua Tagovailoa, Brock Purdy. Yeah, L- Lamar would certainly be my MVP right now. I don't. It's crazy to me that he's not the favorite in the betting markets. I mean, the Ravens have uh the same record as the Niners, right? Yeah, and. They are clearly, in my eyes, the best team in the AFC. They, you know, and that is largely driven by Lamar. If they lost Lamar Jackson, their their season is completely over, and it's not even it's not even close. Um, yeah, they their defense is playing very well, but at the end of the day, their offense is still what is winning them games. They definitely still do some weird things sometimes, like involving too many tight ends and and whatnot, and. But at the end of the day, it's it's probably the best offense we've seen from Lamar in a few years, at least. Uh, having yeah. Odell Beckham, having Isaiah Likely, is basically Mark Andrews, but like, or you know, we'll say like ninety five percent Mark Andrews or something like that. It's ridiculous how that they landed into two legit uh, tight ends, and it's like I don't know what they're going to do moving forward because ideally you don't have to play a ton of twelve personnel, but they probably have to at this point. Um, so, but that's going to put a lot of pressure on their offensive line because both likely and Andrews are much better receivers than they are blockers. 
So I don't know what they're going to do moving forward when Andrews is back, but likely is filled right in for Andrews. Odell is looking very functional, almost to the level he was when the Rams won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Rashad Bateman seems like he's he's catching on. He's just not quite connecting on these deep throws that Lamar has been, but he seems like he's getting open. Hopefully he just kind of comes down with them start in this final stretch here. And uh, and Zay Flowers is definitely taking a backseat. I think he... He got a little out over his skis, I think, to start the season in the way they were featuring him. Um, yeah. Still a good player, but it, I don't think he's ready to be the featured guy in the offense yet. No, I think they're, it, you've seen the progression of his development kind of happening before our eyes where, like you said, beginning of the season, it was a lot of quick passes, design uh, targets, ways to just kind of get him in space, and now you're starting to see them uh, ramp up his route tree a little bit where they want him to kind of do the full comp- get into the full complement of routes. And I think that that, you know, for it's part of the rookie adjustment of figuring out your spacing in the offense. And, you know, I th- it's a completely different offense than what he was running in uh, when he was in college at Boston college. And I think that's just all a part of figuring it out in the NFL. And it, it's not affect, it's not affecting them in a, in a bad way. And I think that you'd like to see it kind of start to hit a stride here going into the end of the season and have him, you know, maybe be featured, not not maybe more, but just see him start to get some more like high quality targets. But I think it's a big thing is that um, everybody is starting to get comfortable in Todd Munkin's offense. And I it, it was it's such a far cry from what they were doing with Greg Roman. I think you've seen uh, Monk and kind of get into some Roman-esque type, uh, you know, personnel and play calling just because I think that that's what the offense is built to do. So we might as well lean into it until we get, you know, the new flavor of guys that that are able to run the, the Todd Monk and like spread it out, air it out type offense. And I just think that finally – it's all starting to come together and likely could end up being the X factor for this offense for the, yeah, they definitely for the run need, of the playoffs. They definitely need that tight end move, tight end receiving tight yeah. end in this offense to get it to work. So are you saying is Lamar who you would have at the top for your list right now? Right now? I think I agree, but Josh Allen, if he gets the bills to the playoffs, I think that they'd have to he, win out. They, yes, that. they would have that. It would be contingent on them winning out. Right now, I I I would say Lamar, but if the Bills win out, I I'd, I'd be hard pressed to not put Josh Allen up there, especially if he continues playing the way he's been playing. All right, so none of us are on Purdy, who is currently the far and away betting favorite. Um, yeah, he's minus money right now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's the only one that's minus one sixty ish, something around there. Last I looked. Um, what do you want? All right. So what, what are, what are we missing that the betting market or vice versa? What do you think that is? I mean, I think we, it's, it, it's the whole factor of one. I think we all have a hard time looking at Purdy and not being able to see past the weapons that he has. And it's hard not being able to, it's hard not seeing past the, just questionable decision-making at times. It doesn't happen often. It happens like two to three times a game, but 
it feels like he's propped up by the guys around him and not him propping up the guys around him. Yeah. And that's the nature of the MVP discussion is that as the most valuable player, I think that you would you say that if you take that guy away, that offense can't function. Or that's, at least they take the, a huge yeah. step back. Yeah, that's with, the question I keep coming back to is Yeah. And I hope the voters ask themselves if you if Nick Mullins suited up for the Niners this week, or maybe not this week because they're playing the Ravens, but some some other, you know, good but not top of the conference team, the line on the Niners for that the spread or whatever would probably move two or three points, maybe. Yeah. If that even if Purdy was not in the lineup. And I hopefully the voters realize that and and because I I think a guy like Lamar certainly deserves it this year or even Josh Allen if they went out. Um yeah it's just there's you you take Purdy Purdy is playing very good. I don't want it to sound like that we don't like I hate Purdy either, but he, he's playing right. very good. He's doing everything he's being asked to do. He's creating plays at times as well. But that is not the most valuable piece of that team, in my opinion. Yeah. I he feels like a cog in the machine. And obviously this like this offense is definitively better than when Jimmy G was commanding it and it looks better than it did last year. And I think part of that is just that they have everybody healthy right now. And a part of it is that all of these guys have taken a step into a step forward in development. Like mm-hmm. Ayuk. Ayuk has gone from a guy that in the doghouse. Yeah, in the doghouse. Couldn't get targets if he wanted to, to now he's, you know, arguably the number one pass catching option. On the offense, I mean, Debo's a number one option in his own way, but just different than Ayuk. Like Debo, they like to, you know, they get him the ball in a lot of different ways, whereas Ayuk, it is a lot more. It's more pure passing situations. And it, 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 it that's what it just comes down to is that it's hard to see past just the incredible set of weapons that Purdy has at his disposal as well as just the the offensive system that he runs. We I mean Shanahan has put together a fantastic offense that really accentuates every strength of the guys that are out there. And it's just hard to attribute enough of that production and enough of that creativity to Brock Purdy to make an argument that um he's the MVP. And I think that the same kind of goes for Tua. It's it, it it's a similar argument in the same vein as the argument we were having with Tua earlier earlier in the season of well it's hard to look away and not say that if you took away Tyree Kill he would be in the conversation and it yeah it just feels the same way with Purdy where I think if you took away McCaffrey or you took away Debo that offense takes a step back more than if you were to sub in what whatever the maybe step down or almost equivalent of Brock Purdy if you swapped if you swapped a quarterback out in for him that you wouldn't have similar production if you gave them the same amount of time during the season and had them do similar things yeah 
that's what uh, you said. Jimmy G never. I mean, he never. He never played with this version of Ayuk no. or McCaffrey in the offense. No. Like I don't honestly. I don't know if the offense would be that different if you took Jimmy G from two years ago and dropped him in this in the Niners' offense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the this this uh, Christmas night game right is is huge for the this well this whole discussion because the Ravens are traveling to San Francisco. If the Ravens win that game, I I would man, if Lamar is not the favorite then I don't know what else Lamar could possibly do. Yeah. And Purdy probably is in the same range as Josh Allen and Dak and every and the rest of the guys. Yeah, and I mean Purdy has a chance to put a stranglehold on this the Niners schedule down the stretch is kind of is going to be a kind of a pretty pivotal stretch for them to get the one seed. They have the Ravens this week. I forget who they have after the Ravens, but then they, they have the Rams the, again. I know that. I think um, they they finished the season with against the Rams. Yeah, which one other game? Probably, you know, again, Saints. assuming or not the Saints. That's that's the Rams. Assuming the Eagles. You know, win a win out, which I think isn't a crazy assumption. Um, they have, is the other team they play. That's it. Um, assuming the Eagles win out, the the Niners need to win out to keep a hold of that um, one seed. No, they they could lose. They can lose to the Ravens and still they get can. The one seed. Right. Yeah, because the Eagles lost to the Seahawks. That's right. That's right. So it just it gives it Purdy a chance to kind of like I said, get a stranglehold on that and kind of take control of this conversation. But Lamar, yeah, I think Lamar has a chance, especially against the 49ers defense. He has a chance to really jump ahead and give himself, put himself right back in the conversation from the, you know, the odd standpoint. Cause I just, I don't know. I, I just can't get over the fact that Purdy has the most weapons that we've ever seen. Like, could you imagine if we put Lamar in the 49ers offense (laughs) Oh, that'd be fun. I mean, I think that that'd be the most, probably one of the best offenses we've seen yeah. this century. Yeah. So if, uh, let's say, if Purdy beats the Ravens, it, what do you, do you think, what not what you would do, do you think that locks him in for MVP? Do you think there's 100. anything that can unseat him at that point? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe, you, I mean, Dak would have to go on. And Dak can't win. It. Well, we haven't really talked about it, but I don't think he can win it anymore. The 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 I would be shocked if the voters gave the MVP to a team that is a wild card team. That's true. I don't think that's like ever happened. I think you. I think that part of the the. I mean, if that because because then we shouldn't. The reason that Purdy's the favorite is because his team is so good. So right. If Dak is not a is not a can't win his own division, I, I I can't imagine the voters would give MVP to a guy that can't win his division. But if the but if the Cowboys went out, do they do they win the division? If both if teams, the Eagles have to teams, lose, the, the Eagles, Eagles actually they can beat they can beat the or they can lose to the Cardinals as long as they beat the Giants twice. Okay, they they, be, they win. They would, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, then because yeah, I think I agree with that. That it would have to, they would have to secure the two seed and the division for Dak to be in the conversation. Do you do you think that anybody has a chance? Do you think Josh Allen has a chance to win this, even if Purdy wins out or at least beats the Ravens? I 
I don't, he feels like such a lock at this point, which is just crazy. I don't, yeah, if he beats the Ravens and they beat them, how they beat them, like if they beat them, like they've been winning the past few games, I buy like 20 points, man, I, it's going to be, <laughs> the voters are going to feel a lot of pressure to give it to Purdy, I think. And I don't know yeah. what else could stop them. I don't know if the bill's winning out. I don't know if Mahomes throwing for 5,000, you know, 2000 yards in three games could, could undo it or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it would be really hard for Purdy not, not to, to the voters to not feel like they should give it to him. Even if he, like we both said, we both probably wouldn't still. And to Purdy's credit, I, uh, I want to say it was Ben Baldwin that I saw quote the tweet, um, and put something out, but if Purdy didn't win it, it would be the best season by a quarterback from an, I think an EPA per drop back standpoint to not win the MVP. Yeah, the problem is EPA is not a player stat. It's a it team isn't. stat. It isn't. People I mean, people like love to harp on the EPA. Jimmy Garoppolo crushed an EPA for years in this exact offense. Yeah. It never mattered. It never mattered. Yeah, and we never yeah, he's at yeah, point point four one EPA per drop back, which is right now one of the better it's one of the best of all time, and it would be the highest to not win the MVP. And again, I think that while we look at it from a different point of view than a lot of the MVP voters, I just don't see how he doesn't walk away with the MVP. Yeah, it feels like them winning out. I think the the Rams game could be a little tough for them with the way the Rams are playing recently too. Um, like we division opponent, all that stuff. It's hard to beat your division opponents multiple times in a, yeah. in a season. Um, especially a matchup that's as... I don't know, pivotal to both of them. Obviously, yeah. the Rams will be fighting yeah. for their season at that time. And the McVay-Shanahan uh, showdown, you know, rivalry runs pretty deep. So I think both guys care about those games yeah. more than so, they do most other games. So, yeah, they definitely feels like they would have to lose a game. Well, there's also the scenario that they, because like I said, they'd have to lose two games to lose the one seed now. Um they may not be playing anybody in that Rams game, actually. Although that would—I don't know—teams get a little funky if they have like three weeks of rest heading into the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they play a half or something like that. Yeah. So that game really actually may not matter to the Niners at all. Right. Yeah. There is a world where it doesn't. And so I guess to finish out the sh- to finish this out, I'd like to talk the Ravens 49ers game because it is the biggest game of this week, and you know can be a big decider in how the playoffs kind of shape out and what we, and what we kind of both said are the two best teams in both, uh, both conferences. First of all, how, like, how do you think the Ravens can win? Cause I think that if you, I, th- I want to say that the 49ers are favored right now. Yeah, they definitely are. They're home too. Yeah. The 49ers are five point favorites. And so, one, do you think the Ravens can win? And two, how do they how do they win this? Oh yeah, the Ravens can certainly win. Um, is I forget is Ronnie Stanley back for the Ravens? I think he, I think he I is. Um, but regardless, we've seen teams with good offensive line, particularly offensive tackles, play well against the Niners' defense and slow down that pass rush. Uh, the Niners are definitely relying on that edge pressure more than they are the interior pressure. 
Ravens yeah. have a good offensive line all around, though, so I don't know that that's a huge deal regardless. They're certainly going to still get pressure on Lamar, but Lamar is by far the best at escaping pressure in the pocket than any QB in the league right right now anyway. Um, so, Or maybe Josh Allen would be the other one. But they, I don't think the 49ers back end can hold up for extended time to throw when Lamar has those longer time to throws. That's yeah. probably how they beat the Niners. They also can probably get their run game going against the Niners, even with, I know they just, Keaton Mitchell, who was coming on, just tore his ACL, so he's not in. Gus Edwards doesn't have a lot of juice. Justice Hill looks a little bit better than he did. So they're not going to be ripping off big plays on the ground, but I don't even know if that's a, necessarily a bad thing. Like, as long as their run game can keep them on schedule and they're more reliant on the pass game for their big plays, because I think they, they've got the weapons, like we talked about earlier, to beat the 49ers' defense. Um, and then the flip side, the Niners, the uh, Ravens have a good defense. They the the Niners are going to try to do the same things they do to every other team and just put uh, uh, put opposing defenders, particularly in the middle of the field, in conflict and not know where to go through all the different motion and and crossing routes and all that stuff. If there's a team that's built through the middle, it's probably the the Ravens with uh, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith and. Um, um, blanking on their safety right now, but uh, Kyle Hamilton's played well this year. Uh, so Gino Snow, Gino Stone, and then um, Marks Williams. Yeah, two yeah, yeah, yeah. So if there's a team to kind of handle that middle of the field and 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 have that good communication and a good football IQ and know where to go, that's probably you know this is this is the matchup for the Ravens. Yeah, and. We haven't really we haven't seen the 49ers really hit a hiccup since they lost to the Bengals. What would it be? It's seven weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And in that three game stretch, they you know, they lost to the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals. And each team, I think, well, I think the Browns and the Vikings beat them in similar fashion as the Bengals beat them in their own way. The Browns and the Vikings, both what they did is they mitigated, like you said, a lot of that edge pressure. They were able to uh, contain and keep Nick Bosa. Now, granted, this is before Chase Young came into the came into the situation, I believe uh, for sure against the Vikings and the Browns, but I can't remember against the Bengals or not. But the Vikings and the Browns, what they did was they were able to mitigate the um, the edge pressure, and they were able to that allowed them to push the ball down the field a little bit more against this secondary, which is the weak point of the of their of the 49ers defense and then the I mean the Bengals beat them with having just a receiving core that can tee off on the 49ers cornerbacks and so I think that a big part of this for the like you said for the Ravens is going to be keeping this offensive or this defensive line on their heels and they're the best team to do that by mixing up run and pass and integrating a little bit more uh, play action and really being able to make those edge guys second guess themselves a little bit, which will give Lamar a little bit more time. Yeah, absolutely. And it ultimately, and even with all of that stuff, it ultimately comes down to how party plays and where, yeah, he's good for a few turnover worthy throws every game. It's just a matter of like, do they land in the, in Brandon Ayuk's hands or, or, or not. Um, and that that's ultimately probably what will just end up deciding the game. I think it'll be a good game. I think it's, uh, it's going to be, it's a huge, it's probably the biggest game of the season so far. It's, it's going, and it's, it's not even a, 
it's a cross conference matchup, but it's going to it's likely going to decide the MVP race. It's yep. going to cement the discussion of which of which of these teams is the best team in the league right now. Yep. So yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a good good Christmas night game for for sure. Yeah, and the Ravens defense, what they do is they mix up their looks a lot, and that that could give Purdy issues of mixing up coverages, giving him different looks, not giving him straight up coverage looks and making him think a little bit more and second guess himself a little bit more. That's what the Vikings did. The Vikings just went, I mean, their defense is just pure chaos mode in a different way than the Ravens a little bit. Mm -hmm. Obviously the, they don't, the Ravens don't blitz as much as the Vikings do, but what they do is they mug up that um, they mug up the, the line just like the Ravens do a lot. And you don't know who's dropping, who's coming. And that gave Purdy a ton of issues. You saw it with, they had toward the end of the game against the Vikings, Iron Murphy was basically playing a middle of the field safety and he was robbing uh, in breaking routes. And so, and the Ravens love to do stuff like that too. So it'll be interesting to see if Purdy learned from that Vikings game, because I think that that's the closest comparison. And if he can, you know, just make the right, make the smart choices, because if the 49ers, I think can beat any team with talent. It's just a matter of can they can Purdy just hang in there long enough to where that talent takes over and win and wins games for them without him making the fatal mistakes of turning the ball over or putting the ball in harm's way. Yep. I think it's yeah, I think we agree. There's the the matchup of this game is Purdy versus the Ravens defense. I think the I think the Ravens offense will have success. It's just a matter of do the can the Niners do what they've done to a lot of teams and just mess up the Ravens defense and yeah. make it all fall apart. All right. Yep. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, check out fantasypoints.com. Everybody's continuing to put out incredible content. We're finishing the year strong, more content than ever. Um, data.fantasypoints.com. Again, continuing to pump out new tools, continuing to change the game. I think that we've seen a lot of testimonials from guys that have won a lot of have captured a lot of accolades in the fantasy community. So go check it out. I think it's going to be helpful for anyone in the fantasy playoff push towards the end of the season. Um, Yeah. And thank you for joining us and we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.